When you're out in the bush, it's survival of the fittest. And out here, it's about who has the biggest bush. Listen to them. Children of the night. What music they make. <laughs> Oh man, we're back. Here we are. Late again. I know. <laughs> like the New York transit system. <laughs> I actually have no idea if that's consistently late or not. I'm not from New York. I don't know. Isn't that what they always joke about though? The trains I, are never on time. I feel like it. <laughs> Between that, my my experience was with uh, San Francisco transit. Okay. So BART and Muni. Uh, one... one of them always ran on time. One of them was late. and uh, But we made it. We're here. We're back. We're we're doing another cannibal-based episode. Um, I feel like you can't do Cannibal Month without covering this movie. No, I feel like it has to. And this is a big one. Um, this week is Cannibal Holocaust. Uh, we'll talk a whole lot about it later. But uh, we've we've talked about this one a little bit before. We have. When we did our uh, month about video nasties, it definitely came up. Yeah. And I feel like it just comes up in you know discourse often. Yeah. It is one of the foremost. Uh, Found footage movies. It is. Uh, the original. Yes. Supposedly. And it's you know known for its brutality. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for those of you wondering why you're only hearing me and Alex and you've yet to hear the uh, incessant screeching from Palmer, that's because he's still gone uh, taking care of his new bundle of madness. Um, he'll be back probably sometime in December. Yeah. Um, so just another couple of weeks where it's just the two of us. But let's be honest, it's nice to have a reprieve. It's so quiet. It is. We get to talk. You hear that? Silence. Silence. <laughs> I can't wait for Palmer to edit this with just his re, <laughs> just his, his screaming in the background, <laughs> just filling up any gap of silence because he can't stand moments of quiet. Um, Alex, how you doing? You know, I'm doing all right. Yeah. Yep. Just getting ready for the holidays, I guess. Yeah. Thanksgiving's in a week. Yep. Or less than a week, less I guess, at this week. point. Uh, any big plans? I will be going to my mother-in-law's house. Nice. Uh, normally we don't spend actual Thanksgiving with her, but I think now since there's a baby in the mix, <laughs> everybody want to see everybody that baby. wants to see the baby. You're so. important now because you got a baby. Yeah. So Ben and I's, you know, you did the, you did your humanly <laughs> duty as a vessel. Yes. Ben and I's tradition of staying home and drinking tequila has now been <laughs> shrouded with family activities. Well, I guess the upside is you just. Take the baby over there. They can watch the baby, and you guys can still drink tequila. That's true. But then, you know, I have to drive home. <laughs> That's true. All right. How, how about you? How are you doing? I'm hanging in there. Good. Hanging in there. Stressful week. What the fuck are my cats doing? They've taken over. They've taken over. We uh... we introduced macaroni and cheese into the mix, <laughs> and now they've all lost their, you know, goddamn minds. Yeah, they are returning the favor that this movie that we're going to cover tonight so gracefully did to the animals, and that these yeah. animals are going to do it to us. Um, yeah, I'm doing okay. A lot of family stuff going on, but it's starting to settle down a bit. Uh, Thanksgiving for us is going to be kind of quiet. It's yep. just going to be a small family get-together here. Are you making uh, turkey, ham, turkey and ham? Neither, actually. Uh, Curry? What are you no, making? Uh, Mary Beth kind of took it upon herself to put together a little uh, menu and said she doesn't want turkey. Apparently, she doesn't want to do a ham. She originally wanted to do a duck. Okay. But then my dad vetoed that. 
duck is delicious. My dad doesn't like duck. Is she doing a rabbit? What's she doing? No, she's doing a chicken. Okay, nice. We're doing a Thanksgiving chicken. I love it. I mean, honestly. Maybe two chickens, because I don't imagine chickens are very big. But I don't know. I couldn't tell you the last time I saw a whole chicken. Someone told me a little while ago that when chickens are older than like 18 months, you have to slaughter them or because their breasts get so big because of the hormones that you pump that they'll just fall over and not be able to stand up. I believe it. Is that true? I don't know. But that's what someone told me. I absolutely believe it. <laughs> like their breasts are so big. Yeah. Thanks, Tysons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like chickens breasts are not like I've seen, you know, you see regular chickens. Like I know my sister-in-law has a bunch yeah. of chickens. They're not very big. No, they're not that big at all. Like the rooster maybe, yeah. but the chickens are not that big at all. Yeah. I'm a, I'm not sure if one chicken's going to feed the five of us. Mm, yeah. You we might do two. We might do two. Um, And we're we're doing a very pared down Thanksgiving menu. Some of the stuff is stuff that we did last year when we had like her whole family here. Right. Uh, That was a big Thanksgiving. I'm honestly not at all upset about not redoing that this year. Absolutely not. I'm in charge of vegetables. Okay. I've been requested not to make Brussels sprouts because my mother-in-law hates them. Oh. So, and I don't like green bean casserole. There's so many different versions of it. Like, I'm not a big fan of it either. If it has cream of mushroom canned soup in there, then I don't fuck with it. Yeah. But I was watching something the other day that was like a homemade version of it where like from scratch where instead of using the cream of mushroom soup, like you make your own kind of like heavy cream based sauce for it. That was the first green bean casserole I looked at and I was like, I would eat that. I tried to make green bean casserole like homemade one time. Remember when I made green beeb casserole? Yes. And I try, I put bacon in it and everything. It still tasted like garbage. <laughs> it's not for everyone. It's not. And if you guys out there, uh, tell us what your favorite Thanksgiving dish is. I know, I think we asked this last year. Mm-hmm. I um, like stuffing. Stuffing's always good. I think I made your stuffing last year. With the sausage in it? Yeah. Yeah, you did. Because uh, I remember when you were still living downtown, I came over for Thanksgiving that year and blown away by that yeah. stuffing of yours. My sister-in-law always makes the stuffing when we do uh, Ben's family's Thanksgiving, and I, I don't think she listens to this podcast, so she won't hear it. <laughs> it's just straight from the box, and it's very disappointing. I mean, <laughs> it's fine. Box stuffing has its place. But I don't want to be like, let me make it. It's going to be better. Yeah. <laughs> Um, no, my, my go-to favorite, I'm so sorry. (laughs) My go-to favorite has always been, and it's gotta be the ocean spray one, canned cranberry sauce. Oh, I fucking, I fucks with canned cranberries so hard. So way back, my sister used to get her own can of it for Thanksgiving and then I fell in love with it. And so my parents would buy three cans, one for, one for my sister, one for me, and then one for everybody else. You ate a whole can? We absolutely would. That shit is delicious. I mean, it's good. Don't get me wrong, but. Because, like, I'll eat it through, like, because you have Thanksgiving dinner, like, in the afternoon. You do. And, and so, then you like, eat it I'll again have, at dinner. like, half the can <laughs> with like, first dinner. It sounds like you're talking about, like, cat food. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have, like, half the can with first dinner, and then I'll just have the rest of the can as the day goes by. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. We're. It's going to be an interesting menu this year. There's there's one thing that we made last year. It's like a mushroom farro kind of risotto-y sort of thing that we just like made on a whim last year. That sounds delicious. It was amazing. I love risotto. Super looking forward to that. Maybe I'll make risotto instead. Yeah. I'm going to class up this. Joint. There you go. <laughs> I'm going to class go. up this Thanksgiving meal. Just say that uh, baby Silas made it. Exactly. Put a little sticker or a little pin in there instead of green bean casserole. It's like. Silas's risotto. Silas's risotto. I also am in charge of making dessert. Okay. So I'm just going to make slutty brownies. What are slutty brownies? Brownies with Oreos in them. Save me a couple. I will. Or if you come over on Thursday, bring I'll make, me a couple. I'll make two tins. Perfect. It's super easy. That sounds delicious. I made them for Palmer and Kelly uh, just last week. I've 
had dreams of the Nanaimo bars that Kelly made for you. Those are so good. I don't know if I'd feel comfortable buying that much butter knowing it's all going into one (laughs) dish. One dish. dish. (laughs) Like eight Nanaimo bars. For all of our listeners who are not Canadian, that is a a quintessential Canadian dessert is a Nanaimo bar. And I think you use like a pound of butter. It's insane. But they're so good. Yeah. It is incredible. Um, So now that everyone's starving. let's, Let's talk about news. All right, so we're going to connect the weeks a little bit. Uh, Last week, we talked about the new Fantasy Island uh, movie, I believe Mm. it was. Yeah. uh, That's coming out. That's being redone to be a a horror-based movie. But uh, apparently, I missed the original poster that came with it. Um, So I got to see that today. But there's a new poster. Um, So the original poster that came with the announcement last week was an aerial shot of the island that looked like a face screaming into the void. Yep. Like a skull, kind of. Yeah. Uh, the new poster, however, is a uh, horizon shot of Fantasy Island, which kind of like an iceberg. You see a lot of it above, and then you see the below part. And yes. it's a big skull, once again, shrieking into the void. Um, the taglines that they've apparently decided to go with for this movie are hashtag never coming home and anything you desire and everything you fear. Mm. Uh, the release date was, as we talked about last week, I think supposed to be Valentine's Day of next year, but... Uh, in one week, they've already pushed that back a bit, so now it's February 27th. <laughs> they don't think people are going to want to go see this for Valentine's Day? <laughs> maybe, or maybe they've already run into some issues or something. I'm not sure. Um, but they've got a February target, mm-hmm. uh, so we'll definitely keep you prized as we learn more. What do you think of the poster? Um, I liked the first one okay. better, the aerial shot. I okay. think it was a lot more colorful. I liked the offset of, like... The blue and green waters with the very, like, yellows and reds and tropical colored, like, treetops and whatnot on the island. Uh-huh. Um, the skull one, it's fine. I feel like I've seen it before. I was going to say, I feel like I've seen this a million times, but I mean, I like it. The color palette's nice. Yeah. Uh, I also like that there's a plane. The plane. The plane. The plane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's a good fit. I don't I don't think you could do this. I'm, I'm waiting to find out who's going to be tattooed. Yeah. Is there going to be a tattoo? Is there going to be a tattoo? I feel like there has to be. You can't remake Fantasy Island without tattoo. Like you said, that was like the only thing you I was, knew yeah, about Yeah, I was going to say, that's literally the only thing I remember about. Although, after this, after last week's episode, I did make a note to go try and find reruns of Fantasy Island. Any luck? I haven't. I forgot. Okay. But I'm going to try and maybe do it this week. Okay. Yeah, I, I want to sit down at some point and watch that. But it seems like we've got at least three months Yeah. Uh, before this movie comes out, possibly more. Um, I don't know how long into production this has been. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, three months from now is a pretty tight timeline if they're just starting. So I'm imagining they're already I mean, like yeah. well into filming. Oh, absolutely. Uh, next up, Wes Craven, his estate, RIP. Uh, Bloody Disgusting was reporting that the U.S. rights to A Nightmare on Elm Street have reverted back to Wes Craven's estate, uh, which, of course, includes the red and green sweater-wearing uh, Demon of Dreams, Freddy Krueger. Um, they're also reporting that the estate has been, has begun working on resurrecting Freddy as they're actively taking pitches for a new Nightmare on Elm Street film or franchise. Uh, they're looking for both a, uh, for both feature film pitches and concepts for a possible HBO Max series. Hmm. I don't know how I feel about turning something like this into a TV show, but it worked for Evil Dead. It did. Um, 
Wes Craven's estate is the sole owner of the U.S. rights to Freddy and Nightmare on Elm Street, where New Line Cinema continues to own the international rights. There may be issues, depending on what studio picks it up, as far as something similar to what was going on with, uh, was it Friday the 13th? What's that, sorry? Where the studios are fighting. Yeah, Friday the 13th. Uh, so there might, depending on who picks us up, there might be issues with, you know, rights to markets. Uh, but I don't think we're going to see anything even remotely close to what we've no, this, seen with Friday the 13th. Yeah, this one seems to be a lot more simplified just because all of the rights are now back in. Yeah. I don't know, though. I don't know. I wouldn't mind seeing a new Nightmare on It'd be Street. interesting to see what they would do with it. Like, yeah. you know, did they, did they do what they did with Halloween and kind of just reboot it? Or do they start from where they finished off? Or do they do a whole new someone someone of the commenters on bloody disgusting commented that it'd be cool if they um uh i guess this was robert england's idea for Mm -hmm. a new interpretation where they have kids who've only you know very loosely heard of freddie and so from their parents and so when he ends up popping up in their dreams he's a different version you know so that it doesn't have to be like a survivor story kind of thing yeah and it doesn't have to be robert england's version of Freddy because I, that would be very hard to replace because yeah. he's probably too old at this point probably i mean to make a cameo i'm sure but he couldn't be the Freddy. yeah and so having someone that's like him would be difficult yeah so I, I think and i think just given how long it's been yeah i don't think we're gonna run into any situations where it was like with hellraiser where you've got all the different hellraisers and mm-hmm. Not all pinheads are pinhead. No. Uh, <laughs> Not all pinheads are Doug Bradley. Um, you have to be a sh- Once again, this is another perfect moment to remind our listeners that Palmer is not here this week. Otherwise, yes. this one piece would probably be the only news that we talk about because yeah. this is Palmer's favorite movie. What do you think he would say about this? Uh, I, I don't know. When he'd I was reading... something really opinionated about it. Uh, he, I, he'd be very opinionated, but I'm just trying to... I'm struggled to I struggle to think about what his opinion would be. I don't know. Is he into it? Yes. But I, I think he's definitely into it. I think Palmer's definitely into the idea of New Nightmare on Elm Street. And I think, honestly, that, that comment from Bloody Dis- on the article uh, about you know the kids of the people that have loosely heard of it, mm-hmm. now that Palmer's a dad, I think that would actually play into his alley really well. Oh, yeah. That's like, pulling he would at tell, his strings. Like, he would definitely tell stories to his kid in the future about, or, and like obviously show him the movies. Yeah. Uh, but I think if there was like a new generation of it, uh-huh. uh, that would... I think that would actually be a really spot on kind of thing for him. That's a good idea. Yeah. We came up with it. You guys don't worry about it. Yeah, this is us. Uh, <laughs> Even next though. up, the Simpsons. Uh, everyone knows about their Halloween uh, specials, but this time they're doing a first ever Thanksgiving of horror episode, which airs on Sunday, uh, the 24th. Um, in this first ever Thanksgiving of horror we have things like the first Thanksgiving, an AI mishap, and a dangerous space mission complicated by sentient cranberry sauce, uh, <laughs> which I think is great. There's a, that speaks to you, Sam. It does. There's a clip from the last segment uh, available online that appears to spoof Life with Jake Gyllenhaal and Ryan Reynolds, where you get to see Bart and Milhouse pull the sentient cranberry sauce out of its little container, and it slithers around, and they're like, oh, it's cute. Uh-huh. For now. For now. Um 
There are a lot of stills available as well, showing things like the family as a bunch of turkeys, Homer as what appears to be a faceless robot with no brain, and Bart, Lisa, and Milhouse watching in shock as what can only be one of the Flanders boys getting yanked on by giant tentacles. It does look like there's a tentacle going right through his head. Yeah. Um, That's absolutely one of the Flanders boys. Yeah. <laughs> you can tell by his stupid hair. <laughs> it's amazing. I haven't watched a show in right? years, and but I, you still, know exactly I still know all is. of them. <laughs> Um, so this uh, airs on Sunday night, the 24th, at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time, as always, on Fox. They do such a good job with their Halloween episodes, I feel like. Yeah. I feel like this is long overdue. I'm so, I, when I read that this was, the, I mean, the first one, like I was like... Thanksgiving, yeah. Christmas. Like, I'm surprised they don't do more holiday specials outside of Halloween. People love, I think people that don't normally tune in to watch The Simpsons tune in, at least I know I do, for the holiday episodes. Yeah, Palmer said good. he does, too. So I think maybe this is also a nice way to boost you know, some of their numbers, because yeah. I don't think as many people are watching The Simpsons as used to. Yeah. Uh, next up, we got some... Uh, a little bit of news on Castle Rock. So we all know that Alex wants Kathy Bates to be your best friend, and I've yep. even offered to give up my rights to that. She we all know that Kathy keeps Bates, ignoring me. Yeah, we all know that Kathy Bates won an Oscar for her portrayal of Annie Wilkes. Uh, we all know that Lizzie Kaplan is playing a young Annie Wilkes in this season of Castle Rock. Uh, well, the latest news is that Kathy Bates loves Lizzie Kaplan and hit her up on Twitter, breaking Alex's heart yet yep. again, uh, saying Lizzie Kaplan hits it out of the park. She is Annie Wilkes. Terrifying and human. Sometimes she makes me feel all oogie. You know what? If I didn't love Lizzie Kaplan as much as I do, then I would go all Annie Wilkes on her. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess in the meantime, Alex, you're stuck with me for now. It's super meta. <laughs> yeah. Have you been watching this I have not. I have not tuned it? in this, but I. it is on my list. Okay. Well, good thing you've still got plenty of time to watch all sorts of stuff. Yeah, I still got like a month left on my maternity leave. Sitting at home with... The, that little lump of a baby. <laughs> he is such a potato. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next up, we got some interesting news coming out of the UK. David Tennant is uh, coming back. The doctor's back for more horror, and I'm all in after his turn in Bad Samaritan. This time, he's Dennis Nielsen in Des, an ITV Ooh. three-part drama series about a Scottish serial killer who murdered numerous young men in London in the late 70s and early 80s. And put them down the drain. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so this is based on the book Killing for Company, and the series will explore the personal and professional consequences of coming into contact with a man like Nilsson, who died just last year, mm-hmm. in 2018. Uh, Luke Neal wrote the series about the killer who murdered boys and young men in his flat, uh, which for us uneducated American people, that's apartment. Uh, <laughs> Nilsson went undetected until cops investigated fragments of human flesh and bone clogging the drains uh, that Alex mentioned he so lovingly shoved them down yep. um so this is showing up on itv so what is this because i had never heard of it uh it's also known as brit box and it's a Britbox. yet another streaming service um is it all just i assume just british shows no it's all it is all british shows uh or not all it's all of the british shows and then a lot of like u.s shows that happen to make it over there so oh. they're available on that streaming service i'm always I always like seeing the, the U.S. shows that make it in the yeah. U.K. and vice versa. Um, there is no air date yet, but because it's David Tennant, and I'm in love with him ever since Bad Samaritan, uh, since I was not a Doctor Who fan, no. um, I will definitely be following this and let everybody know when this actually Did comes Did you out. watch Broadchurch? It's mm-hmm. on Netflix. I haven't watched it. It's very good. Uh, more British stuff. We got War of the Worlds. 
so the miniseries adaptation of the classic H.G. Wells story just premiered on BBC One earlier in the week. Uh, but there's also a series coming from Canal Plus, Fox Network, uh, AGC Television, and Urban Myth Film, which is going to land on Epics here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. So this series that's going to show up on Epics uh, has Gabriel Byrne from Hereditary and Elizabeth McGovern from Downton Abbey, who are leading the cast, uh, which originally showed up in France back oh, in October. I love Gabriel Byrne. Uh, so this is set in contemporary Europe. The reimagining will follow the pockets of humanity left on Earth following an apocalyptic extraterrestrial strike. Uh, it's written by Howard Overman, who did Misfits, and the eight-episode series was directed by... Uh, I don't actually know how to pronounce his name. Uh, I think it's Guile Couillet. Uh, he did Cargo, which was oh, okay. uh, pretty decent. And uh, Richard Clark, who did Versailles. Uh, the cast also includes Leia Drucker, uh, Natasha Little... Daisy Edgar Jones, Stefan Caillard, uh, Adele Bansharif, and this person's name is fucking made up, but I think it's I'm gonna I'm gonna give it my best shot. You speak French, okay? Alex, yeah. So tell me how wrong I am in honor okay. of Palmer. Uh, Guillaume Gua. Yeah, no, that's like spot on. I <laughs> is think. it really? I believe so. That's how I would pronounce it. All right, look at me. Take that, Palmer. You suck at this game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Boo. Uh, next up. I'm not entirely sure if this one's horror or not, but Monkey Paw is backing a new project uh, about hunting Nazis. So, from executive producer Jordan Peele comes Amazon Prime's new Hunters. A tag team of Nazi hunters on their quest for righteous revenge in 1977 New York City. Uh, Al Pacino is showing up in this one, uh, and it's supposed to hit Amazon sometime in 2020. There's no actual date yet. It's apparently inspired by true events, where hunters follow a diverse band of Nazi hunters living in 1977 New York. As they're known colloquially as the Hunters, they've discovered the hundreds of high-ranking Nazi officials are living among us and conspiring to create a Fourth Reich in the U.S. The eclectic team of Hunters will set out on a bloody quest to bring the Nazis to justice and thwart their new genocidal plans. Um, if this wasn't a Jordan Peele thing, mm. this definitely feels like what would happen if they came back to Earth and Iron Sky. Okay, yeah, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'm not really interested in this at all, but this seems up like Ben's alley. Ben would like this. Yeah, I, I don't. Again, I don't know if this is gonna play out as a horror thing. Uh, Did you say it has Al Pacino in it? Yeah, it's got Al Pacino as an old Jew. Yeah, that's like leading this ragtag group of what appear to be just like normal, a bunch of like 23 year old kids. Yeah. Um. So I, who knows? Al Pacino looks old as shit. He is old as shit. You're right. <laughs> yeah. Um. Next up in a more uh, comingly festive kind of idea, A Christmas Carol. Yes. Uh, so not that Christmas Carol. This one comes from the creator of Peaky Blinders and the producers of Taboo, uh, where they're playing up the darkest, spookiest aspects of the classic tale. Uh, the miniseries is set to arrive December 19th on BBC One in the UK and on FX in the US. Uh, so we finally get something the British get as well. Hell yeah. Um, Move over, Redcoats. Yeah. <laughs> It's described as a haunting, hallucinatory, spine-tingling immersion into Scrooge's dark night of the soul. Uh, the cast includes Guy Pierce playing Ebenezer Scrooge, Andy Serkis as the ghost of Christmas past, along with Stephen Graham, Joe Alwyn, Charlotte Riley, and Vinette Robinson. Uh, Ridley Scott and Tom Hardy are attached as producers, and Nick Murphy directed all three episodes. I watched this trailer. It looks pretty good. It does. Guy Pierce looks like he's just playing himself. Yep. Um, That's just, what he do. Just a... Just a curmudgeonly, just a curmudgeonly old, old motherfucker who's like, "What if I gave you a gift of thirty pieces of gold?" There are no gifts. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's just him. 
Yeah. I feel like he just offers shit to people in real life and then... And then just, yells at them? Yeah, just yells at them. I feel, like, I feel like he does a lot of yelling. He probably does. Um, no, it looks pretty good, though. I'm, I'm excited when about this. When is this set to come out? Uh, December 19th. Ooh, so on, just in time for the holidays. On FX, which is a network that most of us have, especially me, if you uh, like watching things like It's Always Sunny. I do have the FX. Um, and then I think wrapping up this week, we've got a bunch of shit from Shudder. Uh, so huge list uh, of what's hitting Shudder in December got dropped. Uh, and we'll tell you about some of the new stuff as it comes out. Uh, some of our personal favorites that mm-hmm. are hitting Shudder on the first and second. So you're not going to have to wait throughout the whole month for most of this. Silent Night, Deadly Night 2 comes out on the first. Woohoo! Garbage Day is apparently December 1st. <laughs> Make that official. It's every year now. Uh, the it. Lost Boys is showing up there. A bunch of Wes Craven stuff, including Shocker and the People Under the Stairs. Uh, I think they're, all in all, I think they're adding 11 new movies mm-hmm. uh, on the first and the second. Uh, they've got a bunch of exclusives coming out that we'll tell you more about as we get closer, but that includes The Headhunter on the 5th, uh, Trevisa on the 9th, Joe Bob's Red Christmas on the 13th, which I know we've already talked about some, but Palmer will not let anyone not know about that, and uh, Iskander Show of the uh, Shadow of the River on the 9th as well. And then there's some streaming premieres. Deadly Games from 1989 makes its first debut on a streaming service on the 2nd. And then Smoke and Mirrors, the story of Tom Savini, which is directed by Jason Baker on the 16th. That looks um, very good. I know Palmer's probably just got like a really awkward boner while we're talking about this right now and doesn't know why. But uh, Smoke and Mirrors is about the special makeup effects legend, actor, director, and stuntman Tom Savini, uh, who's been attached to pretty much everything, it feels mm-hmm. like. Uh, known as the King of Splatter from his childhood in Pittsburgh to his tour of duty during Vietnam to his beginnings with George A. Romero and beyond. Smoke and Mirrors is the defining documentary on the life and career of a horror icon. It seems like they're interviewing a ton of different people in, yeah, in retrospect to his career. They have Danny McBride, uh, Alice Cooper, Danny Trejo, George Romero, Greg Nicotero, Doug Bradley, etc., etc. Corey right. Feldman. Yeah. Don't forget Corey That's the one that Feldman. stands out to me. Like, Sid Haig is in my mind just because of recent news. But yes. Corey Feldman kind of sticks out like a sore thumb. But I feel like Corey Feldman sticks out like a sore thumb with everything Was Corey Feldman? I don't even know. I'm trying to think of the connection, but it's not coming to me. Did he do anything with the Lost Boys? I'd have to look at um, his IMDb page. Yeah. All right. Well, that's all we got for the news <laughs> this week. Uh... Let's talk about what you can look forward to watching on your couch. So we got just two movies this week. One, Animal Among Us, came out on the uh, 19th on VOD from Uncorked Entertainment. Fifteen years ago, two teenage girls were murdered at Merrymaker Campgrounds. The case was filed an animal attack. The camp was condemned, and the killer never found. But something horrific still waits in those woods. Uh, Is it Bigfoot? So, yeah. So the premise of the trailer looks like there's a, a writer who wrote about all this stuff. They're reopening the camp. Okay. Uh, he gets invited back. And this giant animal monster, Bigfoot-looking thing, starts murdering people. Um, Apparently, it's won a bunch of indie awards at various festivals. Um, It definitely feels like they replaced the usual Crystal Lake killer with the bullshit from the village with the same twist and everything. Um, Okay. My money's on this Bigfoot thing being just some person in a fucking costume that probably, like, owns the camp or some shit. Okay. 
Also, I just have to to go back really quickly. Yeah. The movie that Tom Savini and Corey Feldman worked on together is Friday the Thirteenth, the final chapter. Remember we what we covered that one. Oh uh, yeah. Because he said that Corey Feldman was a brat. Corey Feldman was a brat. <laughs> Corey Feldman is a brat. Yeah, Corey Feldman is a brat. Yeah, you're right. He's been through a lot. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Uh, the other movie for this week, also on VOD on the 22nd, 3022 from Sabin Films, a group of astronauts living in the haunting emptiness of deep space, awake to find Earth has suffered an extinction-level event. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the event, you ask? Well, it looks like the planet explodes. Oh, goodness. Yeah, they're on a like space station or a space shuttle or some shit, and they, they it seems like they come up from like a suspended animation. Uh, or somebody does. I don't think this person... I think they rescued somebody. Okay. And uh, they're trying to like call back to Earth, and there's a big shot of like the planet seemingly exploding. Okay. Um, and there's a good question that they pose in the trailer. What do you think happens to our minds when you realize that there isn't going to be a happy ending? Uh, I don't know. Life? Yeah, life. I was yeah, going to say, that doesn't right. <laughs> uh, This one's got, I believe, Omar Epps is in this, um, and a bunch of other people. Georgia Fox from CSI? Mm-hmm. <laughs> This doesn't look by any means like it's going to be a great movie, but it definitely looks like a fun space movie, and I'm totally into those. Yeah, the cast seems kind of like, eh. Yeah. Um, but that wraps that up. So let's dive in to what's got to be one of the most absurd fucking movies ever made. I agree. Cannibal Holocaust. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to tonight's main event. So here we are with Cannibal Holocaust. Finally did it. We're finally doing it. Finally doing it. Uh, so, directed by Ruggiero Deodato, written by Gianfranco Clarici, uh, with a cast as crazy as this movie is. Uh, primary star is porn star Robert Kerman <laughs> as Professor Harold Monroe. Luca Giorgio Barbareschi as Mark Tommaso. Gabriel York as Alan Yates. Francesca Chiardi as Faye Daniels. Perry Perkinen, which is a fake name if I ever heard one, as Jack Anders. <laughs> Salvatore Basile as Chaco Los Sojos. Ricardo Fuentes as Lieutenant Ochoa. Paolo Paoloni, which is another fake name, as the unnamed executive. Uh, <laughs> Lucia Constantini as the unnamed adulteress. Uh, Leonello Pio de Savio, or Savoia, I don't know, as oh. another unnamed executive. Uh, Luigina Rocchi as a native, I think the only one who's credited. Uh, Enrico Papa as TV interviewer who's uncredited. David Sage as Mr. Yates, uncredited. And Ruggiero Deodato himself as Man on University Campus, also uncredited. Uh, so the short and sweet, Harold Monroe, an anthropologist from New York University, who leads a rescue team into the Amazon rainforest to locate a crew of filmmakers. The crew had gone missing while filming a documentary on local cannibal tribes, and when the rescue team is only able to recover the crew's lost cans of film, an American TV station wishes, wishes to broadcast the footage as a sensationalized television special. Upon reviewing the reels, Monroe is appalled by the team's actions and objects to the station's intent to air the documentary. Uh, so, where did this come from? How did uh, Diodato come up with this idea? Uh, well, he was heavily influenced by the bullshit, garbage-ass Mondo documentaries, uh, which were racist sensationalism at best, or racist, exploitative stage and made-up garbage at worst, uh, and also inspired by the Italian media coverage of the Red Brigades in the 1970s and 80s, which I know nothing about, aside from what's available on Wikipedia. Uh, 
because Diodato was watching those and thought they were all fake, thought they were made up. So, so these Mondo documentaries, they're they're made up, correct? Or they explain explain those to So me. the Mondo documentaries are similar in nature to this uh, okay. in the sense of what the film crew was doing. Okay, okay. So it was... Like you know, the Faces of Death, would that be considered yeah, a Mondo sort documentary? Of, yeah, Okay. Um, where it's, you know, we're going to do a documentary about this collection of people that nobody's heard of or nobody knows about. Um, like, we're in Italy, so we're going to go to Africa and we're going to do a documentary on this. But it's all like, it's either staged, okay. it's made up completely and fabricated. Uh, it's usually pretty fucking racist. Okay. Um, and it's, at its very best, it's just sensationalist journalism. Okay. Um, so half the film consists of the documentary crew's lost footage. Which is presented in uh, an innov- which is presented in a way that innovated the found footage genre, which was later popularized here by things like the Blair Witch Project. Uh, so we've got this movie in particular to thank for the shaky cam running around looking at nothing movies. Okay, thank uh, you very much. Yeah, thank you. Uh, this was a notable entry on the Video Nasties list, which we've talked about before when we did our modern Video Nasties. Um, this one specifically being noted for its realism, animal and sexual violence, and in 2006 was rated as the sixth most controversial film of all time. By whom? Uh, Entertainment Weekly, I think. Okay. Um, Cannibal Holocaust was filmed primarily on location in the Amazon rainforest of Colombia with the indigenous tribes uncredited completely interacting with American and Italian actors. So let's walk through this slog of a fucking documentary. Uh, In 1979, an American film crew disappears in an area of the Amazon rainforest known as the Green Inferno, which is Palmer's favorite movie of all time. And he's not (laughs) here to debate that, so it must be true. (laughs) Here, here. <laughs> While filming a documentary about indigenous cannibal tribes. Uh, the team consists of Alan Yates, who's the director, Faye Daniels, uh, the script writer, and his girlfriend, who also has a, what would be considered during the time, a very well-manicured bush. Absolutely. And the two cameramen, Jack Anders and Mark Tommaso. Just as a side note, I think the bush in this movie is on point. Yes, Absolutely. <laughs> It absolutely is. This is peak 80s bush because this was is. 1980 or 1981. Yes, it doesn't quite have the, the um, you know, the the amount of 70s bush, but. There's enough remnants. Yeah, it, the, it's, it's a, a definitely like a callback to 80s bush. Yeah, this is the, we are now in the 80s, but we're still holding on to remnants of the 70s bush. Exactly. Uh, so Harold Monroe, an anthropologist at NYU, agrees to lead the rescue team and hoping in hopes of finding these missing filmmakers. Uh, in, t- in anticipation of his arrival, the military conducts a raid on the local Yakumo tribe, taking a young male hostage in order to negotiate with the natives, because, you know, that's just how you do it. I guess so. Yeah. In the Green Inferno. Yeah. Um, once Monroe gets there, he's introduced to his guides, Chaco, and his assistant, uh, Miguel. After several days of trekking through the jungle, the group encounters the Yakumo tribe. They arrange the release of their hostage in exchange for being taken to the Yakumo village. Once there, the group is initially greeted with hostility and learns the filmmakers caused a great unrest among the people. Mm-hmm. We don't know what happened until much later in the movie. Right, because the Yakumo tribe is obviously not really able to communicate verbally. Yeah, in... none of these tribes really. Yeah, so they all, it's a, mostly like a series of, of grunts. Yeah. Or the one guy when uh, Monroe pulls out his little recorder who just, like, shouts at him. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So the next day, Monroe and his guides head deeper into the rainforest and locate two warring cannibal tribes. 
the Yanomomo and the Shamatari. Which are real tribes. Which are real tribes. That have been depicted very poorly in this movie. Yeah. Shocking. Weird. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they encounter a group of Shamatari warriors and follow them to the riverbank, where they save a smaller group of Yanomomo from death. The Yanomamo then invite Monroe and his team back to their village in gratitude, but they are still suspicious of the foreigners. And to gain their trust, Monroe apparently agrees. I didn't really think it was an agreement. I thought he just did it. I thought he just did it, it, yeah. Uh, To bathe naked in a river where he's joined by a group of Yanomamo women where it's just a giant battle of the bush. Yep. You know, they're they're all poking him and laughing at him. Grabbing on his penis. Grabbing on his penis. Uh, And he's unsure of what to do. And then they run away. And then he starts kind of poking them back, and then everybody runs away. Yeah, and he follows and them, And he follows right? them out. Uh, and he runs back up into the riverbank, puts his pants on, and runs around to kind of see what's going on. Um, <laughs> fun was had by all. Fun was had by all. It was a good time. <laughs> um, they take him they, to the shrine, right? Yeah, when they, come, uh, when they come around the corner, you know, Monroe's got his pants on, and they find a shrine. Or he finds a shrine. They, they take him to the shrine where he discovers the skeletal remains of, the film, of one of the filmmakers. One of them? All of them? I think it's all of them. all of them. Uh, He gets real mad and confronts the Yanomamo in the village, during which time he plays a tape recorder. Uh, And this is where the natives agree to trade it for the surviving reels of film. Right. So how he explains it is that he, they sort of believe that he's able able to like capture their spirit in this recording, right? Yeah. And so they feel like he's the only person that can handle what's on these tapes or whatever. They think he's magic. Which honestly, you know... This is 40 years ago at this point, um, whereas now we have Google Home, and which I just got one for free, oh, cool. uh, and we have like Alexa and all this other stuff, and we have the microphones on our phones that are always recording us and stealing our fucking souls, That's capturing right. our spirits. Um, to the point where there is like a, uh, there's a news report going on right now about, I don't remember where it is, but some cops are using uh, Alexa as a witness. Oh, I don't like that. Uh, because it... Re- possibly recorded uh domestic Domestic, violence yeah Yeah. um so you know this movie was prescient it was ahead of its time it was it it knew it was coming (laughs) uh back in new york executives of the pan-american broadcasting system invite uh monroe to host a broadcast of the documentary to be made from the recovered film but he wants to watch it first before he decides what he wants to do. That's fair. That's fair. You don't want to just get on screen with like. Could you imagine? Yeah. Try <laughs> try explaining this shit live to millions of people. <laughs> uh, the executives introduced him to Alan's work by showing an excerpt from his previous documentary, The Last Road to Hell, which depicts executions in war-torn countries. Uh, they they lay they throw a bunch of caveats on there about how. Uh, Alan was such a great filmmaker and mm-hmm. blah blah blah, but he would often you know help kind of perpetuate some of the narratives he's trying to sell. Right. So they completely downplay what he's doing. Yeah. Uh, So what Monroe ends up seeing is uh, not too crazy. The executives say that Alan staged such dramatic sequences to get more exciting footage, uh, which kind of sets Monroe up for what he's about to witness. Uh, So he begins to watch all of the recovered footage, which first follows the group's trek through the jungle. Uh, After walking for days, their guide Felipe is bitten by a venomous snake. Uh, they cut off his leg, I think, kind of they from do. like the middle of the shin down, right? No, it's more like up the thigh. Is it, is it that high up? It's juicy. Yeah, they cut off a bunch of his leg. 
um, to save his life, but he later dies anyway and is abandoned, which isn't surprising because now he's just got a giant bleeding stump. Right. Yeah. How he thought that that was going to be what would save him. I, I, got, I, I get the thought process. I guess you're in a, in a moment of panic, yeah. perhaps. Well, then these four friggin' white people just decide to go off into the jungle on their own, right? Yep. We'll be all right. <laughs> they'll be like, they'll be fine. We'll be cool. We, we had woods like this when I was growing up in the, in, in behind my house. Right. <laughs> it was just like this, I swear. <laughs> Uh, so the group keeps going and they locate the Yakumo in a clearing where Jack shoots one of them in the leg so they can easily follow him to the village. So this uh, is one of the first instances I feel like where we see exactly how their, you know, <laughs> film methods yeah. are. Um, and this is a good explanation. So at this point, this is where we're starting to see everything that Monroe has encountered when he was there. Because uh, yes. when he got to the village, <laughs> there was a group of people pointing at this dead guy laying on the ground with a hole in his leg. Right. Um, and he didn't know what was going on. So this is starting to fill in some of the blanks. And they saw Felipe's body. Yep. Um, once they arrive, the crew intimidates the Akumo tribe uh, and does all sorts of like horrible frat boy shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them, just for shits and giggles, just shoots this kid's pet pig. Oh, that's right. He's right in the fucking head. Yep. And he's just like dancing around laughing about it. Uh, and he starts shooting wildly up in the air and they herd the rest of the tribe into a hut. Where they set the whole fucking thing on fire in order to stage a massacre uh, for their film, saying that these warring tribes were killing each other. Uh, Monroe criticizes the staged scenes and the poor treatment of the natives, but if it bleeds, it leads, and his concerns are ignored. Uh, he finishes watching the footage alone and expresses his disgust to the station executives regarding their decisions to air the documentary. Uh, in order to try to convince him to change his mind, uh, he shows them the remaining unedited footage and uh, he's the only one that's seen it. The final two reels begin with the film crew locating and capturing a Yanomamo girl who the men take turns raping and filming while Faye is screaming about, you know, recording it. Yeah. That, I feel like, was her primary concern is why are you... Cause wasting she says, film. Why are you wasting film? We only have two cans of film left. Why are you wasting film on this? Yeah, she, seems to, she does not seem to care about the woman. She just cares about the film. Yeah. Um, so, you know, she's kind of a shitty person, too. <laughs> They're all shitty. They're all shitty. Uh, they later, after raping her, encounter her in the footage uh, impaled on a wooden pole by a riverbank where they claim the natives killed her because of her loss of virginity. Uh, but, it's like a sacrifice. Right. Uh, but it's heavily implied that they staged the attack to make it look like the villagers did it. Right. Uh, for, you know, for exploitative reasons. Yeah. yeah so that they did this the, to her. And that they can sell their fucking footage. Well, because he's smiling, too. Yeah. He's, he, the guy says, like, don't smile. Like You're being filmed. You're being filmed. Because he looks all excited. Yeah. What a bunch of pieces of shit in this movie. So shortly after this, they're attacked by the Yanomamo in revenge for the girl's rape and death. And this is the original crew that went missing. Uh, Jack gets hit by a spear. Uh, and Alan does, uh, he pulls a Starship Troopers. Yes, he does. Uh, I'm not going to let you go out like that, buddy. I got you. And he shoots him right in the fucking chest. Uh, he gets up and they all start running uh but they back up for a minute so they can watch how the natives are going to mutilate uh jack's corpse um he also kind of does that so that he can film right what yeah the... i mean that's like, at the end of the day it's like it's... he's not doing it to save him he's no, doing he's it like let's, let's let's stage some more shit yeah let's show everyone what these people will do to him yeah uh, the three surviving team members try to escape, but Faye gets captured, and Alan insists they attempt to rescue her. So don't rescue Jack. Let's rescue my girlfriend. 
Well, she lets... At the end of the day, it is about him. Uh, Yeah. Well, and he lets, you know, she lets him have sex with her. Yeah. (laughs) In front Um, of the whole tribe. Yeah. That was a weird scene. God, there's there's so much of that in this movie. And, like, it, it really is. It's just... It's just showing Alan's penchant for just... We gotta, we gotta show something cool. We gotta get some numbers. He's got a complete god complex. He does have a complete god complex. Uh, so Mark hides in the bushes, continuing to film uh, Faye while she's being stripped naked, gang raped, beaten, and beheaded. Um, really, not that radically different from what they were doing to that girl. Mm-hmm. Um, the Yanomamo then pursue and kill the last two team members as the camera drops to the ground. And gets a nice big shot of Alan's bloody face. Uh, disturbed by what they've seen, the executives decide to burn it. Yep. Burn all of it. Uh, Monroe agrees, finally having gotten the executives on board. And uh, walks out of the station. And the movie ends as he ponders to himself while walking across the street who the real cannibals are. Mm. You know, it took a long, much longer than I think should have to convince the... Um, the executives that those four were a piece of shit yeah. film crew. Cause they had a, they had a background history of what this crew has done. Right. But they give them good ratings, but they've right? never seen the raw footage. Yeah, exactly. They've only seen the edited bits. And I, I don't know if they truly only believe that they, you know, just nudged the, you know, the documentaries in the right direction, or if they had a full idea of exactly what type of scope they, yeah, they treated people. I don't. I, the part that I think makes the executives into monsters is they were still on board with airing all of this after having seen the, the whole tribe burned alive. That's true. It's not like they had seen nothing. Yeah, it wasn't until the end mm-hmm. where they were like, "No, nah, burn it, burn yeah. it all." Um, so yeah, the it it leaves on a philosophical note. Or ends on a philosophical note trying to question who the real savages are, mm-hmm. which I feel like has been a trope that's been played a lot Absolutely. over the years. I mean, going back all the way to like the 30s and 40s with film, um, whether or not ending the movie like that makes the rest of the movie worthwhile, that's a, that's a good question. Debatable. It is debatable. Um, but that is a pretty clean and short synopsis for what happens in this movie. So... What what else in this movie was so fucking awful that it wound up being banned in all sorts of countries around the world? What is it that people talk about when they talk about this movie? Yeah, so uh, I think the number one thing, for me at least, was animal cruelty. Yes. Uh, so all in all, they seven kill animals. seven animals. Six of them on screen, but one of them they had to kill twice. Was that the pig, correct? No, the pig. The, or the monkey. It was the, mon- the squirrel monkey. So they chopped off its head. They chopped off its head, but the first shot they took of it didn't work. Right. So there's a snake, a spider, two squirrel monkeys, the uh, very infamous giant sea turtle, yep. a pig, and then a, a, an a th- animal that I'm not too familiar with. It kind of looks like a possum yeah it's called a kawadi a kawadi uh which is often mistaken for a muskrat which was killed with a knife yes um the turtle and the pig are probably the most infamous ones yes um one because people love little pot-bellied pigs they do um and that pig wasn't doing anything it didn't serve a purpose they they weren't eating it they weren't trying to save anybody it was some kid's pet pig and the dude just fucking shoots it the only saving grace that they have or that they try and say for this movie and killing the animals is that all of the meat was given to neighboring villages. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that that makes up for it at no. all. Uh, the large sea turtle was decapitated and its limbs, shell and entrails were removed. And I think they were eating parts of it. I actually 
um, skipped through that part. Yeah, I don't blame you. I uh, used the 10-second skip button on Shutter just to completely... And you probably had to hit it four or four five or times. Four or five times, yeah. yeah I that, did that not. That is a long scene. I um, skipped through the pig scene. All of the other animal deaths happen fairly quickly. Even when the pig gets shot, uh, it happens very quickly. He lets out a death squeal that Ugh. lasts just about as long as the whole scene does. Um, the spider monkey one also was quite difficult yeah. to watch. Um, that is one that I... I saw they just hold it and chop its head off. Yeah. As Palmer says, slow and steady makes you into turtle soup. Um, <laughs> and like l- giant sea turtles like that are in it. I mean, I don't know about back in the day, but they're an endangered species. Yeah. yeah. And um, they live like hundreds of years. Oh, yeah. Easily. Easily. And they're the size of fucking cars when they're fully grown. Like it took two in the movie. It took two grown men to hold it. Yeah. Out of the water. It was very sad. Um, the directors come out and said recently, or somewhat recently, uh, that he was stupid to introduce animals. Yeah. He he didn't exactly apologize or ask for forgiveness for, no. for doing it. But he says he was stupid to use animals when he was talking about the sequel, the actual sequel that he wanted to make. So there have been a number of sequels to this movie right. that are unofficial. Um, Diodato wanted to make his own sequel. Uh, and it wound up turning into the Green Inferno because he saw Eli Roth do something and said, this man can di- direct my stuff. Um, but it wasn't Cannibal Holocaust 2. No. Um, well, and at the time when they were um, sort of ripping apart that sea turtle, it made the crew members very uncomfortable. Yeah, Faye threw up. And then someone else started to cry. Yeah, Faye, Faye actively pukes on screen. Uh, and I think that was actually real. Yeah, no, it was, yeah. and the one of the men, I forget, one of the actors, I can't remember which one it was. He legit started bawling his eyes out. Yeah, which how could you not? Yeah, <laughs> unless uh, you're a fucking monster. Well, it, it can be argued that uh, all of the people in this are monsters, including the director. Uh, so, film historian Andrew DeVos has argued that the animal deaths have been harshly condemned in this movie because of the film's classification as exploitation. Uh, whereas animal mutilation in films perceived by critics to be classics or art films are often ignored. Citing specifically Apocalypse Now, Mm. um, the BBFC made a similar conclusion regarding the censorship of scenes in which the deaths were quick and painless, noting that removing these sequences would be inconsistent with our decision to permit quick, clean kills in several other films, also citing specifically Apocalypse Now. Cannibal Holocaust was not formally submitted to the BBFC, which every European movie had to be submitted to for release until 2001. Primarily because of its reputation as a video nasty and its long history of prosecutions for obscenity that seemed to preclude the issuing of the BBFC certificate. Uh, Once reviewed in 2001, there were eight scenes that were cut that removed five minutes and 44 seconds of footage. Hmm. There was a second review ten years later for the Blu-ray DVD release where only one scene was needed to remain cut. All of the others were added back in. Did they say which one was cut? Uh, Yeah. In terms of the scenes of animal killing, the BBFC concluded that one of the four scenes cut in 2001 still required intervention because it clearly showed an animal being made to suffer in a cruel fashion. Mm. The killing in question, in which a small mammal has its neck cut with a knife, is quite protracted, and the animal is seen to struggle and scream mm-hmm. as it bleeds out. Is that the squirrel monkey? Yeah. However, careful inspection of other previously Oof. cut scenes revealed the animals in question were killed quickly and cleanly. For example, the notorious scene in which a turtle is killed shows the turtle's neck being cut with a single rapid blow instantly severing the spinal cord and killing the animal immediately. These scenes were not, therefore, in breach with BBFC policy, which prohibits cruelty to animals, but Mm -hmm. not the killing of animals, provided the killing is swift. In each case, the animal's body is seen to twitch after death, but this was considered to be a post-mortem reaction, akin to a headless chicken running around a farmyard. 
The BBFC recognizes that some viewers may find the scenes of animal killing offensive and upsetting, not least because of the nervous reactions displayed on the animal's bodies or body parts after death. However, the scenes do not breach the terms of BBFC policy. itself based on the cinema, uh, some Cinematograph Films Act of 1937. It was acknowledged that the decision to cut these scenes in 2001 was primarily the result of a disgusting nature of the sequences, as well as the history of the film mm. as a DPP-listed video nasty, rather than the result of a strict application of policy. Removing these sequences would be inconsistent with the BBFC's decision to permit queen, uh, quick, clean kills in several other films, such as Apocalypse Now. So, that is the primary reason for this movie and its history and how it wound up on the video nasties list. And a lot of what people talk about for the people that have watched this movie, they wear it as a badge of honor. They do. You know, you talk to anybody in the horror community or even not in the horror community that just like, likes being an edge Lord. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, have you seen cannibal Holocaust? Mm-hmm. Um, well, one of the other reasons why this movie wound up being on the list, uh, and has been worn as a badge of honor is a lot of people, even to this day, mistakenly, apparently, think this movie was a snuff film. Right, they think it's real. They think it's real. Um, so there's a lot of censorship behind this movie, and I don't necessarily agree with it. I don't like the idea of censoring things like this, um, and I assume Palmer's in the same boat, and Alex, you probably are as well. You yeah, know, I don't don't, care. don't censor it. It doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to watch it or we're going to like it. Um, and we've talked about some of this stuff before when we did our modern video nasties while we kind of recapped what the video nasties were. But here's the general gist. Ten days after its premiere in Milan, Cannibal Holocaust was confiscated under the orders of the local magistrate, and Diodato was charged with obscenity. All copies were turned over to the cops, and the film was released in other countries like the uh, like the UK, usually via uh, small viewing parties. You know, know somebody that has the movie, mm-hmm. and we'll all get together and watch it. In January of 1981, during the film's theatrical run in France, the magazine Photo suggested that certain deaths depicted in the film were real, which would have made Cannibal Holocaust a snuff film. Following the publication of the article, the charges against Diodato were amended to include murder. 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 The courts believe the actors who portrayed the missing film crew and native actress featured in the impalement scene were killed for the camera. It seems like a pretty easy thing to be like, no, that's fucking bullshit. There's no way. We wouldn't have done that. But the supposedly deceased actors signed contracts with the production, ensuring they would not appear in any type of media, motion picture, or commercial for one year following the film's release done in order to promote the idea that Cannibal Holocaust was truly the recovered footage of missing documentarians. During the court proceedings, questions arose as to why the actors were in no other media if they were alive, as Diodato claimed. Uh, To prove his innocence, he had Luca Barbareschi get in contact with the other three actors, and the four of them were interviewed for an Italian TV show. He also explained in court how the special effect of the impalement scene was achieved, which is actually kind of cool. A bicycle seat was attached to the end of an iron pole upon which the actress sat, and then she held a short length of balsa wood in her mouth and looked straight up, mm-hmm. thus giving her the appearance of impalement. He also provided the court with pictures of the girl interacting with the crew after the scene had been filmed, and they were all presented with, after they were presented with this evidence, the courts dropped all murder charges. Um, it's however, a very striking scene. It is a very striking scene. Um, they dropped the murder charges, however, his obscenity charges were still upheld. Um... There's a lot of stuff like that to unpack in this movie. There is. Uh, I think one of the other things about this movie that is lesser talked about, you know, there's the cruelty to animals, the depiction of rape. I think also the treatment during filming of the tribes. Yeah. 
apparently they were mistreated very much. I don't doubt it. Not paid. And yeah, then they weren't paid. They weren't credited. They weren't credited, which I don't know that they care about. But you know what I mean. They were, and they were put in very dangerous situations. And then also depicted in you got a bunch of white people running around with guns. Yeah, <laughs> and that burnt that scene with the burning hut. They yeah. were actually put in a burning hut. I believe it. And not paid, and presented in a pretty unbashedly racist way. Oh yeah, um, which unfortunately is kind of of the time of the time exactly. Like, look at I. This is based on Mondo documentaries, but it's not just Mondo films that did this. I mean, you go back and look at movies in the 40s, 50s, and oh, 60s. Absolutely. They were just as fucking bad. I mean, look at everything that um, John Wayne ever oh, did. Oh, absolutely. Like, those, go back and watch those through a modern lens, and those movies are fucking atrocious. They are. Uh, I don't care how much my dad likes John Wayne or those movies. <laughs> they have a statue of John Wayne in the Orange County Airport. Do they really? It's John Wayne Airport. I didn't know that. Um, but I think the treatment of, because it was filmed in Colombia. Yeah. So the, the treatment of the Colombians, I think, is very distasteful. And oh, it's absolutely. not talked about as much when people talk about this movie. Yeah. So a lot of critics apparently see this movie as a social commentary on the various aspects of modern civilization, comparing Western society to that of cannibals. Um, and again, it begs the question, like, who's the real monster? And then it could go even further, though, in a more meta way. So I think in the movie, the film crew is supposed to be the real monsters, right? Yeah. And then really, the actual film crew filming this movie was pretty distasteful. Underpaying people, killing animals. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? So I feel like it even takes a step above that. It also questions journalistic integrity. Absolutely. Which Uh, the director was very much you know, into at the time. That's, I mean, that's supposedly the the message of it because again, that that's what his inspiration came from was right. the Italian media coverage of the red brigades. Um, there's a, let's see who do I have this guy's name? So David Carter, mm-hmm. uh, says that cannibal Holocaust is not merely focused on the societal taboo of flesh eating. The greater theme of the film is the difference between the civilized and the uncivilized mm-hmm. though. The graphic violence may be hard to stomach, uh, the disturbing aspect of the film is what Deodato is saying about modern society, asking the question, what is it to be civilized, and is it a good thing? Uh, Mark Goodall, the author of Sweet Savage, The World Through the Shockumentary Film Lens, also says that the film's message, the rape of the natural world by the unnatural, the exploitation of primitive cultures for Western entertainment. Mm. Um, and then Carter goes on to say that, uh, the lack of journalistic integrity is shown through an interaction between Professor Monroe and the news agency that had backed the documentary crew who continually pushes him to finish editing the footage because blood and guts equal ratings. Um, interestingly, none of that's changed in 40 years. No, it, it, it sounds it, like it could have been written. It could have been written today. Today. Um, I, and I think you honestly probably could have done a lot more with it today and made it even worse somehow today. Oh, absolutely. Whether or not it would ever air today is a different question. Uh, but Alex, I'm gonna I'm gonna drop this bomb and make you want to hate this movie, hate Diodato, uh, maybe more than you might already do. I don't okay. know, um, because he comes out with the typical thing that I know you hate. Ugh. Girl walks home alone at night. God damn it! Despite these interpretations, Diodato has come out verbally and said in interviews that he had no intentions in Cannibal Holocaust but to make a film about cannibals. Okay. That's Actor funny. Luca Barbareschi asserts this as well and believes Deodato only uses his films to put on a show. And why f- would he have that last line of the movie? 
Why? So my thing is, if you're gonna make a movie about cannibals, there's for a movie about cannibals, there's there's not a lot of cannibalism in this movie. There's very little cannibalism. I think there's one shot of it where the there's the two guys eating on what appears to be a leg. A bone. leg, right? And you can see like the kind of like the femur or whatever. Yeah. The depictions of rape in this movie and the depictions of animal torture are much more prominent than anything about cannibalism. Yeah. I mean, just murder in general. You know what I mean? So if you're not trying to make a point... Bullshit. Yeah, fuck you. Um, there is another one of the actors, I do believe it was uh, the porn star, actually. Mr. Yes. Monroe himself, Robert Kerman. Uh, I do believe came out and called bullshit he on it. He did. Um, and I was like, nah, that's, nah. that's nonsense. He, he actually, apparently he during was filming was like... making a point. Yeah, talking about the, the sociopolitical you know, commentary of this movie. Yeah. I think he realized that people found it distasteful. And, I wonder why. And then was like, oh, shit. Well, when he showed this movie to somebody, they said that everyone was going to hate him. Yeah. And he decided to produce it anyways or put it out into the fucking zeitgeist. Yeah. I mean. I think he deserves every every ounce of criticism he receives. I think he deserves. But he did come back and say later on that he wished that he never made this movie. Did he say that he didn't want to make the movie or that he would have made a different movie? No, I think, he, I, think I read a a quote that said that he wished he'd never made it. I mean, if I made it, if I did something like this in my lifetime, I would expect nothing but a lifetime of backlash and I would instantly regret doing it myself. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, this, this movie covers all of the like debased, distasteful tenets of what I feel like is why people hate horror movies. Yeah. Exactly. You've got, you know, violence to animals. You've got violence to women. You've got, for lack of a better term, attempted genocide. Yeah. Uh, I think one of the things I find most repugnant about this movie is not the film itself, but the way that people were treated and the way that the animals were treated. Have a movie like this with the type of controversy that surrounds it. And actually have treated people so poorly. Yeah. And not get in trouble for that. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, I think it happens. Unfortunately, I think it happens all the time when people are filming movies. But apparently the director was a real fucking dick. He treated his cast like garbage. Didn't pay his actors. Yeah. And killed a bunch of animals. Yeah. And I mean, even if you take all the that like extreme stuff out, if you just want to focus on, you know, filmmakers and crews disrespecting, you know, local communities mm-hmm. or local environments that still happens. One of my favorite modern movies is, uh, Mad Max Fury Road. Right. There are all sorts of stories about mm-hmm. what the, you know, outcome after they were done filming was where they fucking destroyed that place. Right. For the sake of what? A really cool a two good and movie. Half hour movie. Yeah. For the entertainment of Western civilization. Yeah. Which is exactly what this movie is about. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's weird, you know, it, it's easy to absolutely dismiss this movie or even if you don't dismiss it, just dunk on it relentlessly. Mm-hmm. It's a good movie though. And it does make some quality points it that does. after 40 years, some could say things have gotten better. Some could say things have gotten worse. You don't see animal cruelty like this at all in movies anymore. No, not at least blatantly, maybe yeah. by accident. But yeah. No um, one... There was a movie like a couple of years ago about like a dogger. I don't remember what the movie was, but like there was a scene where like a dog or a horse mm. supposedly like jumps over like a, a 
from like one side of a creek to another to try to like jump into a hole. Right. And there were a bunch of fake stories that came out because PETA got their fucking panties in a twist saying like the dog like died or something because okay. it didn't make it or like right. landed funny. Totally didn't happen. You know, I, I was reading about movies where animals were injured, and it happens the most to movies that have horses. Yeah, but horses are usually prone to injury compared they to are. other... They and they work them pretty hard. But yeah. They got which, those long, gangly-ass legs, yeah. though. Which, again, is another reason why people are up in arms about horse racing these days, because yeah. there's been a lot of deaths to race horses recently. There was a lot of controversy around the Lord of the Rings movies about the treatment of horses. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, the the animal cruelty part is definitely a lot less nowadays than what we've seen in this but we still see rape revenge movies i mean we've talked yes. about them here that are modern rape revenge movies the, the rape scenes in this movie were they're graphic they're very graphic they're very graphic Cause um, it's not even just you know not i don't want to say just rape but there's also like the insertion of tools and then yeah because the, the first one we see is uh two of the natives um i think they're the yakumo they're practicing a ritual where it's a, a ritual the, because the lady was an adulterer. Yeah. And, and he inserts what can only be described as a giant stone pickle. Yeah. And then also something with and then some sort of like sand pile with sharp shells in it. Yeah. That he also then uses. It's very it's and very it's ton, very graphic. And there's tons of blood. A lot of it. Then there's the other one where it's the group of uh, women who I think one of them was giving birth birth they did some sort of yeah they ripped the kid out buried the kid buried and then it. stoned her to death yes um so there's there is a ton of violence that even in some of the more extreme stuff that comes out nowadays yeah you still don't see this level of no. extremity um that said you do still see plenty of stuff in the same vein i think it's also difficult to watch because it's i think it's more artistic now yeah, at least tried to play it off as more artistic. I think it's also difficult to watch in this movie because there is a very divisive line between, you know, the quote unquote civilized people and then like the tribes. Mm-hmm. And the the women who are being raped and tortured in this movie don't haven't had a chance to even speak. No. Right. So they're these unnamed sort of mute, not mute in the sense that they're not making noises, but mute as they're not speaking women who are just having these things happen to them. And yeah. you don't know why, really. And they have no chance to, like, save themselves or stand up for themselves. And here we are as a bunch of civilized people just watching it happen. Yep. Well, we're watching people watch it happen. We are. That, because obviously they've shown no qualms about shooting people. No. Why not stop it? Right. Because it's good footage. It's good footage. It's good footage. Well, and then to pass it off as something that's being done by warring tribes and not by the film crew itself is, you know... Do you think that the film crew, because I mean, obviously Monroe is a professor at NYU, do you think in this case the film crew is American? Is is part of this an indictment on American journalism specifically? Yes. Um, not that not to say that I don't think that other countries or whatever have sensationalist journalism. Like look at the British tabloids. Yeah, and I mean his his point over his initial point of reference was Italian Italian journalism. journalism. Yeah, it's just. I don't know. I think there's a reason why this movie was made as an American film crew. Yeah. And I don't think it was just to make the movie more wildly accessible. No. Because this movie is really popular in Japan, right? Yeah, but everything's popular in Japan. But isn't this like the second most popular movie in Japan? It might be. I wouldn't (laughs) be surprised one bit if that was actually the case. Or at least it was. I don't know if it still is, but it was when it came out. It was the 
like two hundred million dollars or something in Japan alone. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't shock me. Um. So, what do you think of the found footage aspect of this movie? Because it's not super shaky or it's grainy. not shaky, and it feels so. That's the part where I think this movie actually succeeds. Because you're not really a film, a, a, a fan, rather. I hate a, it. A, I hate found footage stuff. A found footage. Uh, but I think this movie succeeds because you know you you watch something like the Blair Witch Project or Last Broadcast mm-hmm. or um, hell, even the first Cloverfield. Mm. It's an entire movie of shaky cam. Yeah, I was going to say, does it help that it's only half the movie? I think that it, I think it helps that it's only half the movie. And I think placing it as, you know, the footage that you're watching that's found footage mm-hmm. is portrayed through the lens of another person viewing it. So they do, a, somehow they pulled off making it actually feel like you're watching just the news on TV. Absolutely. Well, or like, like war correspondence yeah. and stuff like that. Um I think it works really well in that case. Does it work because there's, number one, a reason for the footage. Yeah. Number two, a reason why they've found the footage. Yep. And then number three, a reason why they're reviewing said footage. I think it does. I, I think all three of those things are absolutely relevant. But I, th- I think the biggest thing for me is, you know, I remember seeing Cloverfield in theaters and maybe that had something to do with it because it's just such a big screen and everything's so fucking loud. But Mm -hmm. like I walked out of there just feeling sick. Right. Because it's just there's so much movement. Maybe it's because it's more modern and things of technology has changed versus this being older and just easier to watch from a perspective of just like seeing stuff moving. It does um, really remind you of those like Vietnam War correspondence. It really does. You used to watch. Not that I used to watch, obviously, but, you know, you've seen. It's it's shaky without being nauseating. Yeah, they're not, and I think part of it also is that they're not. Aside from the end when they're trying to like escape, yes, they're not running around. Like, no, it's it is a found footage movie, but it's really just watching another movie in a movie. Exactly. Um, it's so not I, just a bunch of people running around the forest. Yeah, so I think that's partly why I think it works so much better in this than it has ever since. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it seems really um, authentic and organic. Yeah. And even the way that they're reviewing it and why they found it and why it was being filmed in the first place. Which obviously lends itself to other people believing, like, this is authentic. This is the real deal. We're watching people fucking get raped and die. And I feel, and I kind of feel like, I get a little bit of Blair Witch in this, right? Mm -hmm. Not the end so much of Blair Witch, but the reason that you are still watching a movie within a movie, right? It's a rough cut of a documentary. And I feel like that people also thought that that was real. Yeah. I clearly, I think Cannibal Holocaust is a, an, a, you know, an inspiration for that movie. Yeah. Um, Diodato has come out and acknowledged the similarities between his film and the Blair Witch Project. Oh, there you go. Um, but he is frustrated with the publicity that the Blair Witch Project received for being an original production, saying that, you know, he pioneered. I did it first. Yeah, I did it first. I did it first. Um, the producers of the last broadcast have denied that Cannibal Holocaust was a major influence at all. Um, although Paco Plaza, who uh, did Wreck and Wreck 2, okay. cited this as a primary source of inspiration. Um, so wait, you're saying the director, the producer for Blair Witch said that this was not a... Who said that this was not a... Uh, the producers for The Last Broadcast. Oh, The Last Broadcast. Okay. Um, and the producers of The Blair Witch never openly came out and said that, like, 
this kind of filmmaking inspired them. Right. But they didn't um, say it didn't. They didn't say it didn't. He's just mad that everybody thinks Blair Witch did it first. Did it first. Right. Well, there was a huge chunk in a, a huge... Uh, it was 20 years. 20 years. Right. So it's a long time. Yeah. And at this point, Simpsons did it. Who cares? I was going to say, and do we have to attribute every single inspiration for every single film that we have? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, this, this definitely is an original yes, concept. It is. Um, and it... And I think that... Sort of. Because... If you want to say the person that invented it, you got to go back another 15 years before this and look at the Mondo films in the right. 60s. Where he says that he like got inspiration from. Whereas like the Mondo documentaries, they were full cut documentaries. And what he did was he took one of those and chopped it up and said, this is found footage. Right. And then did all, he did a great job marketing it saying yeah. you can't pretty much don't show your face in public for 12 months. That's crazy. And, and the fact that they agreed to it. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a big thing. You know, they did it with the Blair Witch Project as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you're doing found footage, there was one that we covered or we had talked about uh, a couple months ago um, that the name's escaping me right now, but similar idea where, uh, you know, the marketing is just as important. Mm-hmm. as what's on film absolutely if you want people like to believe and buy into the illusion that this is a real movie then you have to use people that no one else has ever heard of yeah and have some sort of you know like they for the blair witch they created like a whole website mm-hmm. right and whole like oh know, back in the early days classified of ads for photo- you know for filmmakers and stuff like that so i mean i'm Unless you were a uh, big Italian porn fan and knew who Robert Kerman was. Wasn't he in Debbie Does Dallas, though? I think so. (laughs) I think so. I'm going to look that up. I think he, I feel like I read that he was in Debbie Does Dallas. I wouldn't recognize him from it, but, you know. He died last year. Oh. Right after Christmas. Oh. Well, RIP to Robert Kerman. Uh, yes, he was in Debbie Does Dallas. Did he do Debbie in Dallas? Which he fe- he did feel that uh, it ruined any prospect of him attaining mainstream acting success. Well, if this is the movie that you're going to choose to do as your breakout <laughs> from porn, I don't know. I find this movie a little bit more distasteful than Debbie Does Dallas. He was apparently in Sam Raimi's Spider-Man. What? As who? I don't know. It doesn't oh, say. It just He was just in it. He played a sea captain in uh, Spider-Man. Ah, uh, yes, the sea captain. Um, yeah, I and mean, I don't know. I'm I'm torn about this movie because right. it's not a bad movie. No, it's not. The sh- the, the the cinematography f- is very good. We had talked a little bit about the score. Yeah, um, which I think does a great job at helping. Mo- like, there's that one part of the. This. There's that one sort of piece where they play it in the beginning and then they're also playing it right at the end mm-hmm. when everyone is getting murdered and it's very cheerful yeah it's shockingly <laughs> upbeat um the, the, the juxtaposition. juxtaposition is great um jinx you owe me a coke okay fine i don't have any cokes Damn it. um oh my yeah, god that part where they're giving the the, the guide cocaine <laughs> yeah. take this it'll make you feel better um yeah, it's weird because it's it's not a bad movie. It's not, but it's an atrocious movie. It's very. I mean, it, it's it's an exploit film, right? Yeah, it's, and like I mean, this is like point. this is like 
Ex- the exploitation film of exploitation films. It yes. Is like this easily top five if you're looking at those. Do you agree that it should be in the you know top ten most you know controversial movies of all time? I I do. I think I think it's rightfully there. I think it has absolutely earned its place on the mm-hmm. video nasties. Do list. you consider it to be a badge of honor to watch this movie? Had you seen this movie before? Yes, I have. Okay. I have seen this movie before. Uh, have you? No. Okay. Would you consider it a badge of honor, having seen this movie? Like, if, if you're in a conversation... So I had a conversation with someone on Halloween talking about horror movies, and we are like, what's some of the most fucked up stuff you've seen? Okay. Would this make your list of movies to recommend to someone if they're looking for just, like, out-of-the-box, just crazy shit? No, but I would recommend it as one of those movies that you should see. Okay. If you want to consider yourself a fan of the genre, I feel like Cannibal Holocaust is a movie that you need to have seen. I would recommend this movie to people even outside of the genre. Like, if you're in... If you're into what? If you're No, if, if you're into, like, film history. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, filmmaking in general. Mm-hmm. As abhorrent as some of the scenes are in this movie, this movie is a must-watch. Yeah, I agree. Uh, because of its place in history, because of the fallout from this movie, mm-hmm. uh, because of some of the things that happen in this movie that you will never see happen in films again. Absolutely. Uh, Is it still a badge of honor if you skip through the animal torture parts? Yeah, because what that means is you just saw the 2001 to 2011 version of the movie where they cut the that censored stuff out. Video. You saw the censored version. Yeah, I just, which is still just as fucking bad. Yeah, I just can't. I just can't watch it, and that's the reason that I you know um avoided it for so long yeah i i don't blame you it, it had been a long time since i I've love seen me this some movie. fucking sea turtles and spider monkeys yeah it's been a long time since i've seen this movie and i i watched it i guess last weekend and uh that fucking turtle scene just wouldn't end i know i had to keep skipping it just, it just kept fucking going yeah and it gets you to look at it because you're just like what is that what's Where are they happening taking is there a giant fucking egg in that sea turtle because it looks like it yeah um oh god another little sea turtle or the 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 part with the pig like it just some of that stuff just sticks with you it does um i don't don't know i don't really know what else there is to say this movie's fucking crazy there's a lot of weird shit that happens in this movie that you'll never see again um you got anything else for this one no how many bowls of turtle soup are we giving this (laughs) um i don't know 3.5. 3.5. Okay. I will say, as you know, as as much as people talk about this movie as being you know, so crazy and stuff, it's a crazy movie. But I also watched it and then turned off my laptop and completely went on with my day. Yeah. Like a normal person. It did not affect me in any way. Yeah, this isn't a movie that's going to make I you didn't just sit like there reevaluate and... your life. It's no. 40 years old and you understand things have changed. <laughs> yeah. Maybe because I didn't watch them pull apart that sea turtle but i really just kind of turned it off and was like okay cool i think i turned it off and just went to bed yeah like yeah and i slept fine i feel like i've seen other movies that i've thought there's also no poop in this movie there is no poop in <laughs> which this movie. you know i find to be in, in our list of modern video nasties too much poop a lot of poop a lot of poop and honestly i feel like that's the one thing missing excrement. in this movie excrement if you're talking about a bunch of fucking white american filmmakers going to the middle of the Amazon. Right. Dealing with a bunch of, as they're considering, cannibals or savages or whatever. None of them are covered in poop. No. At all. Yeah. They yeah. actually, <laughs> the scene where they're um, raping Faye mm-hmm. and they take off her pants, 
her underwear is bright white. Yeah, she, didn't she does not herself. look like she does not look like she spent any time in the forest. No, <laughs> that's some clean ass panties. <laughs> How many bowls of turtle soup are you giving this? Uh, I'm gonna give this a three two five. Okay. Uh, so let me pull up the calculator here. You gave it a three point five. Right. I think it's a three point three 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 three. Probably that sounds right. Uh, three point three seven five. Oh okay. I we don't have Palmer's score. Palmer's probably gonna give this either like. He would a, give it like a four. Yeah, I'm just gonna assume Palmer's gonna give this a four because I know this is his cup of tea. <laughs> <laughs> Just straight putting Palmer on blast. That's what he likes. Well, I know he's talked about this movie no. a bunch. Um, so that gives it a what feels appropriate. If Palmer gives us a four, it comes out to a three point five eight three 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 three. Yeah, which feels right for this movie. Um, I don't think we'll ever see anything like it again. No. Well, now it would not be. I don't know that it would even be possible. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, now for the housekeeping. It was a weird month, but thanks for sticking with us. We didn't do everything we wanted to do, but life happens. Uh, we're still working out whether or not uh, we were going to have a Thanksgiving special. kind of depends on schedules um, and whether or not we can even find the movie that I want to try to do this with. Uh, but we'll let you know as the day comes closer whether to look for us next week or stick it out and hang out until December when our new undecided theme starts. Uh, you can find us at terrainpodnito.com or find us on Twitter at terrainpodnito or on Facebook at the same. Uh, shoot us some love or hate over at cast at terrainpodnito.com. You can follow, DM, or block Palmer all you want. Nah. That's Spermsworth. Uh, I'm at Sam Heebs and Alex is... At A Looters. And that's on Twitter. She's also on the Insta at... Oh, Amvoy. There we go. Uh, if you want to survive, sometimes you need to leave your friends behind. And as always... Keep it creepy. See you next time. Oh, my God.